ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends of all shapes, sizes, and creeds, you've reached Shark Brain, the podcast about creativity in the 21st century and the people who are creative. The people who look into the void and say, is that it? I want more. And then go about digging for it. I'm Jake Newton, your host. Thank you for tuning in. I know you have many, many choices for entertainment in the 21st century. Most of it comes from your phone while you're sitting on the toilet. Is that too obtrusive? Is that... Am I, am I hitting too much of a, a sharp point for you? We know we all do it. Everybody poops. And these days, everybody poops while checking their mail. It's the 21st century. 21st century blues. So how are you? I want to thank those of you who continue to reach out, giving shout-outs about the show, who enjoy it, who enjoy listening to it. I feed off of it. It gives me strength, like an enormous ego monster, fueled by coffee and your praises shot at me anonymously through the internet. I soldier on. If I sound a little down, people, it's just because I, I'm I'm a little run down, and it's a good thing. I'm I'm very busy. It's a uh, I'm taking a gig uh, playing keys for a band for a little part time thing. I li- I enjoy doing it. Um, it's bending my brain because I've never played keys professionally, and they still seem to like me. It's fun. Still working on the record, grabbing pieces of it. Doing all kinds of disparate things to you know make keep the wheels turning, guys. It's a it's a very interesting, disparate life that I've got. It's a Swiss Army life. So, yeah. What do we got this week? We got James Babson, actor extraordinaire, came in, sat down and talked about the process. Talked about working overseas, about New York versus L.A., which is you know inevitably. What most artists end up talking about, unless there's someone really cool like a sculptor who decides to open up a, a weird a barn in Sheboygan and make weird sculptures that sell for $30,000 a piece. But that is an imaginary person that's not in my mind. We're talking about James Babson here. Jake, focus up. You need more coffee? Come on, buddy. You got people who are listening to you right now. Dial it in. Dial it back. Let's let's not let the, uh, the entropical force of your brain slowly descend into chaos so we had a great talk james is an incredibly verbose guy he works at the hotel cafe part-time i say part-time because he is also an actor i wanted to get to a few things that we didn't actually get to it the the thought of of feeling marginalized in maybe a day job that you do would people like to compartmentalize you when you do something or when they know you as something and i know that this isn't just for people who aren't actually quote-unquote making it you know, able to support themselves fully and completely doing their art. It's for the people who are doing that and uh, feel misunderstood. Maybe their output doesn't match their personality. I certainly know that feeling. Maybe it's interpersonal stuff where you've got that one guy that just thinks of you that one way and will not let up about it. And you go like, listen, guy or gal, I'm not going to be sexist or, or exclude the the forms of prejudice that come across people. It's It's... It's an interesting thing, and we kind of, James and I have dealt with that a bit, and I wanted to bring to light, for those of you who may know James but don't know him fully and completely in his element and what he does, what he what he is put on the earth to do, which is to, you know, act. It's a strange profession that, uh, that kind of gets uh, shuffled to the side, especially with jaded Los Angelites or people who have been in the business far too long. Actors get slagged off quite a bit, mostly because there's quite a few people who you know, are assholes that got on a bus and got off at Union Station in Los Angeles and then proceeded to be assholes to other people around their lives and uh, 
call themselves actors. This is not what we're talking about. Babson's the real deal. Babson went to the conservatory collegiately and then continued to study after that and is an actual dyed-in-the-wool student of the craft and loves it, I don't know, perhaps more than uh, most people love things. So it was an absolute true pleasure to talk to him, and I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you. Guys, continue to write in about the show. Continue to send me suggestions. I'm always looking for people to interview. I'm always looking for new new and interesting topics to cover uh, as far as it pertains to my purview, you know, I'm not going to, you know, start tweeting about weird meteorites and that are landing in Siberia. That's not my my bag. But, you know, as it pertains to creativity and the human brain, I'm all for that, guys. So uh, continue to send stuff my way. I truly appreciate it. Announcements. Let's do this. April 19th, I'm playing the Hotel Cafe again. I'm going to be bringing out a bunch of new songs that I've been working on for the new record in new and interesting ways. I'm going to take things off the rails a bit because I'm very sick and tired of being the man with the guitar. I'd like to be the man with the guitar and a few bells and whistles and maybe just decide to be fully and completely me. Huh? Is that okay? Can we allow that? I'm going to surrender the idea that I have to sound like certain people. I'm going to essentially kill my heroes in a small and intimate way. So I hope you can be there. Go to Hotel Cafe. There's more details. If they're not there, go to my website. Just get on it. I want to see you guys there. And I'm not going to take no for an answer. And it doesn't matter what's on television because we all have DVRs. All right? Wow. Now I I feel like the pushy friend. But you know what? Deal with it. uh, can Can you tell I'm going through therapy, guys? Can you hear it in my voice? Is there a palpable change from the first few episodes? I'm taking my power back, but I'm, the pendulum has been swung so far that now I'm getting a little caustic with it. I'm trying to find a rough median balance without burning out my own internal system. It's, uh, it's new and interesting. It's uncharted territory, and I dig it. I think my voice is actually lower. I'm more candid, of course. The podcast helps. Getting on the mic for an hour every single week does certainly help. But... Uh, no, I finally feel like I'm coming into my own in a certain sense. I sleep better, even though I can get less of it because I'm overbooking my schedule. It's, I, I, I don't grind my teeth. This has been slow and incremental, and it's snuck up on me, but it's in the best kind of ways. And I don't rent space in my head as much as I used to to the imaginary enemies that I thought that I had. You know, being in the business of you know entertainment, whether it pertains to acting, music, or managing, or those things and other other elements of the entertainment industry, uh, there is a pecking order that can exist, and a lot of people fall prey to it. And I certainly was one. And I've had a lot of revelations over the, well, hell, the past year, but more specifically, even over the last month or so. A lot of people that I thought I had to impress or, you know, I don't know, build some sort of narrative around what they thought. I just, guys, it's amazing. I just don't give a shit anymore. Tell you what, I'm going to put this record out sometime this year, sooner than later. And when I do, I'm going to give exactly zero shits about what these people who are act eternally cool think about it. You know, the, the killer of the whole thing is that I'm renting space in my head about them this committee that I've built in my own brain, and they have no clue about it. I'm exhausting myself to try to impress them in my own head. What's that maxim? Bitterness is like poisoning yourself and trying to hurt the other person. There's some, I, I'm paraphrasing and butchering it, but it's that. But I'm, you know, breaking through that. It feels good. 
feels good, and it feels good to share it with you guys. It feels good to live it and be in it. So, enjoy the artistic output from this particular vantage point. Maybe there'll be a lot less pain and a lot more dance songs. Who knows? Maybe I'll make some money. Right? Greed, for the lack of a better word, is good. That Gordon Gecko said that, and he was imaginary, played by Michael Douglas. That being said, it doesn't pertain to any ethos in my life. I don't know why I brought that up. I was just being um, cute and weird. So enjoy my cute weirdness, because I'm adorable. Now, let's get this thing back on the rails. Let's talk to the one and only James Babson, theatrical actor extraordinaire, on the one and only Shark Brain. Meanwhile, here in Eagle Rock, California, dude. Thank you for coming in, man. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, man. Yeah, man. It's James Babson awesome. is in the Shark Brain Laboratories. There's not a lot of beakers, just a lot of books. I know. Yeah. But, uh, it is a lab. It is sorts. a bit of a lab. A bit of a brain trust. <laughs> <laughs> <It> is. <laughs> well, Library th- of the mind. Yeah. You came from an audition, man. What was the... Oh, yeah, for um, Old Navy, dude. Old Navy? Yeah. Yeah. I had to be... A stern park ranger, and then they said, "Actually, you're a referee, and <laughs> you're some parent is angry at you." And I'm wearing like khakis, and I'm I don't know. I was like, I'm not really dressed for this, but like all commercial auditions, it's yeah. just a lot of like goofy reactions. Yeah. And, Were you telling me the theory of the guy that worked a lot that just wore uh, cobalt blue shirts and khakis? Yeah, yeah. yeah, you were telling yeah me my, that. But I was actually just talking to him on the phone. He uh, he literally, it, whether it's a biker or like a scientist, it's like. Khakis and a blue shirt, uh-huh. this neutral, neutral, dorky. He uh-huh. doesn't ever go into the character thing, which I think is kind of cool because yeah. it's just like I'm neutral. You decide what I want to do. Uh-huh. Like today, for instance, this dude was literally dressed in like a cop, like a like a full regalia. Went for it, and they're like, "You're actually a referee," and he's like, "Okay, uh, like a fucking <laughs> cop." I right made a now. horrible mistake. Yeah, and so you know, sometimes that can backfire on you, and you get too specific for yeah. auditions, and stuff especially like that. for commercials. Um, they, I had a very interesting thought. I ran into a friend uh, who I hadn't seen in six, seven, eight, nine years. We had done something, a World War II kind of a piece, mm-hmm. and uh, and I ran into him, and he he always struck me as being very kind of just without a personality mm-hmm. just in general mm-hmm. and so I can only assume that's what he does in the audition right. room <laughs> right. but the strange thing is after after getting done with the project that we did 10 or so years ago he went on to crazy amounts of work you know was on an, um, uh, a primetime television show mm-hmm. as a regular and wow. then and started doing features and all that other stuff and everyone else who had much more bi- vivacious boisterousness right. and very specific personalities continued to be working on the fringes and i'm kind of going like is it is it because people can just put whatever they want to put on him is maybe he just, there's a know? neutrality there that works because mm-hmm. although when you are in the room sometimes they're always they're asking i need a little more a little mm-hmm. more anger a little more of this a little more of that i'm like but isn't my sort of deadpan glare enough to tell the story yeah and but often they, it doesn't seem like the casting people even trust that either. Yeah. Because my feeling is that if you, if if the mindset is there and your intentions are there without muscling it, mm. it will be revealed and it will be seen by the people who, you know, are watching it. Yeah. Rather than like working Turn. it too much or whatever. And it's, 
So sometimes I, I, I try to go for that neutral approach, but it doesn't always necessarily work out that way. But mm-hmm. I think there is a huge element of projection and things that happen from the audience itself mm-hmm. themselves. Like they will put on all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and I, when I've been watching a lot of TV lately and it's like, you see that a lot of these moments are, are masterfully played and it's underplayed mm-hmm. because the audience has been watching this story progress with you. They are, when you see the dead body in the trunk, you're mm-hmm. like, they don't need to, yeah. I mean, obviously they're going to be freaked out, but there's a certain simple, to a lot of the actors' performances that are like, it's nice because you, mm. the audience, is going, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. yeah, yeah. Like, so yeah, the, less, the, the whole less is more thing, yeah. you know, which is uh, yeah, in every which real is great good advice for film, yeah, because you're so intimate, you're right up on the screen, mm-hmm. big old head, right, you know, you're, yeah. you're right there, and you're you're examining every little muscle and every little thing, and so much of yourself is putting that there yeah because you, know, you know the given circumstances you've been watching it all along mm-hmm. um so that's interesting yeah maybe your friend there had uh mm-hmm. the right idea in yeah a way. just because sort of he, like or, or just he just was the right kind of person because if anything he's quite neutral he's, right he's, there's not a lot i mean it's just like how you doing i'm doing well i'm doing about 4.5 out of 5 great right. robot robot whereas the flip side is that the mr personality guy yeah. is like hey i'm this guy la 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 and he's like he seems like he's always that yeah casting people love that because they're like oh wow this guy's fucking crazy yeah and like look at his whole his whole shtick and vibe is so funny let's let's find work something around where it, yeah. he can which is interesting because there, there's the being the neutral thing where where you you can get work all the time and in the other instance where you're very specific like say a russell brand type character mm-hmm. Your number might not come up, but when it does, you have oh. the potential of just you know being an absolute star. And a lot of these neutral guys, they're you know they they'll continually right. work, but right. uh, you know they're not gonna you know have a lunchbox. Right, right. I think ultimately you have to just be yourself in those moments and connect to the material. Yeah, and just play it the way, honestly, for you. Yeah, because any time you put any sort of muscle into it or some added thing. Yeah. It's result oriented and it's not believable. Mm-hmm. So, whatever your way of believing being believable is, mm-hmm. go in that direction because somebody will appreciate that. And it might not be that role, but it might be something else. Yeah. So, whereas when you're trying to play an idea of something, yeah. a killer, a this or that, it's like, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I mean, there are days where sometimes my problem is I rely too much on the material to quote unquote like speak to me. Yeah. I'm like, and if I get it, then I can key right into that and I can nail it out of the park. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't speak to me, so to speak, or something, I can, I'm actually not sure how to play it. And that's something I'm still working on too. This is my yeah. own little methodology of like being able to approach anything with some level of like honesty and integrity and just, even if it's a one liner, which is a lot of these auditions are sometimes. Yeah. At least for me, cause I haven't done a lot of television. So it's like, you do get a lot of co-star auditions where you're like, mm-hmm. he went that way. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well how the hell am I going to crush yeah. this one? Yeah. How do I, how do I put, you everything know, I need into and it. And you yeah. just gotta like, you just gotta believe in the moment and do it and not, and you know, they know that it's small and they're all, you know, they realize that, it's very simple yeah. too that, you know, and usually there's a little laugh afterwards going, okay, you know, huh. good job, you know, mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of thing where <laughs> they know there's, but if you're just, just, just believe it, but yeah. jump right into it, you know? So yeah, it's, it's funny. It's Audition technique. Man. It's like a whole, it's a yeah. whole thing. Yeah. I, I, I desperately am in need of it, but let's go back real quick. where did you yeah. grow up? 
Uh, I was born outside of Philadelphia, and my parents are from Boston, uh-huh. and so we lived there for a bit. We moved to Pittsburgh. My dad, my dad got different jobs at different universities teaching, uh-huh. so we moved quite a lot. Moved to Pittsburgh for a while. Then he got a job in Columbus, Ohio, so moved there. Then I went to college in Pittsburgh, and then mm-hmm. I moved to New York. And I just sort of it was always hopping around. Yeah. But um, but my both folks are from Boston, so there's just a kind of a strong connection to that city. Even though I rarely go there, mm-hmm. I have a lot of cousins from there. So, but I just say Ohio. I mean, yeah. it's an easy place to say. I mean, I, my mother is still there. She, my sister, they, and my brother actually, they have, still live in Ohio. So that's kind mm-hmm. of home. Although I don't necessarily feel super connected to hmm. columbus yeah um are, yeah, you, are you the youngest or are you the middle kid? i have a twin you... brother actually uh-huh. um we're fraternal and uh i often forget to mention it to my friends because i don't think of a he's just my brother you yeah. know i don't think because we don't look alike mm-hmm. but um they're thinking yeah, there's another great. you banging around you know, I guess, yeah right? yeah it's not like an exact copy you know mm-hmm. we're very similar we have um different personalities but we always agree on like the same things we're, mm-hmm. we're quite close he's actually living in philly right now but okay. um what's he do he is uh he's got his a phd in education he's working at the university of pennsylvania as a part-time lecturer now looking for some full-time okay. work and yeah. my sister's a phd in psychology and uh-huh. my older brother uh works for the state um and he worked in like medical health um, sort of in operations and okay. administration um, for different kind of healthcare facilities mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, so you've got all these very, very staunch, heady, very heady. Yeah, yeah and all people. of us are kind of trying to. <laughs> we could always try to make more money. None of us are, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all kind of. Uh, I don't know how to put it. Like, sort of, uh, still finding our 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 way uh-huh. in a way because there's even at, in the high even if you have your degree in higher education or whatever there's still the job market is really iffy yeah sort of iffy so Mm -hmm. we're all still trying to figure out what we're doing but But, i mean um, even in the pattern of all that you guys are like all highly highly educated hundreds of thousands of dollars of brain there's a lot of debt yeah that's a that's a common conversation you know we're always like rapping about just like oh my god debt 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 and Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of it's yeah it's kind of disturbing in a way because mm-hmm. it's like, my God, you 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 want to put yourself through school and, and get those degrees and stuff, but then you, but if the mar- job market's iffy, then you know you're not. It's hard to find a way to even like yeah. touch that debt. Like, how am I going to get this going? Oh, it's a, it's a mountain, especially for my my uh, my twin brother and my sister because they they both have like doctorates and that's very expensive. And mm-hmm. sometimes there are programs in grad school where they will pay for it, but not necessarily in their case. And yeah. so they're, they've got yeah. crazy, crazy. And whereas about. us, we just go like, well, it doesn't matter, man. I'm just going to get like one series and I'll be fine. Right. Yeah. There's always that, like I can hustle it and do my yeah. goofy side jobs until that one big break, so to speak, or that big payday. Mm-hmm. And even when you get those paydays, you realize, well, you still have to get another one and more mm-hmm. and more and more to have yeah. a cumulative effect, which uh-huh. I'm still sort of, waiting on that but. yeah i understand man so you went to carnegie mellon what was the program like there for actually? yeah i went to carnegie mellon pittsburgh it's intense man it's um a conservatory as they call it um carnegie mellon is not a liberal arts school so whatever mm. you're studying at that place it's pretty intense it's very intensive yeah. i mean and sort of vocational and it's i loved it because i i was ready for that kind of um, intensity. Mm-hmm. My 
high school theater director, Doug Montgomery. What's up? Um, he was amazing guy and taught me kind of to respect acting mm-hmm. and to to take it very seriously. So I had four years of that in high school, and then so I went to CMU. It was like mm-hmm. I was just ready. Where some people just were like at the eighteen, nineteen, they're not ready for that kind of place. Yeah. And it's probably similar to other schools like that, um, NYU and mm. and Juilliard and stuff, um, where it's full on four years, yeah. twelve hours a day. It's you know it's a very intensive place. They audition about a thousand actors a year and only accept about thirty. Mm-hmm. So I mean it's like the stakes are high. Yeah. Um, but it's undergraduate, so I think that you can it can either really work for you because you. You're just out of high school and you don't really yeah. know any better. You're just into it. Yeah. Um, but when you get out, but that can also push people away. Like, hey, I'm not ready for this at this age. Yeah. I need to go live a little bit. And I'm still a kid. That's yeah. why a lot of the people prefer going to grad schools like at the NYU or Juilliards and those yeah. places because they've lived a bit. They've done other things. They've got mm-hmm. maybe a more well-rounded education. And then they go kind of go in for the specifics later when they're a bit older. So it just depends on what you're into. But no school can make you great. It's yeah. really about where you are and how you process it at the time and what you do with that information. Yeah. And then you, you're off to the races. I mean, I know actors who are fantastic who never had any formal training. I mean, mm-hmm. it just depends on what works for you. For me, the biggest plus was beyond just being able to study Chekhov and Ibsen and Shakespeare and all mm-hmm. that stuff um, was your friends. I mean, there's yeah. the people you meet. I mean, the people that are really important in my life most of them are from there and oh. we still kind of keep tabs in each other yeah. X amount of years on. It's like, all right, you know, and that, that was, and maybe that can be said for any school situation. Yeah. But maybe, it, you know, but, but you've it's got, so intimate. It's yeah. like when you leave that place, there's only about 20 or so of you and you're mm-hmm. like, you know, everything about each other and mm-hmm. you've all dated as much as you could date. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, it, 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 yeah, there's certainly an incestuous nature to it, but, to this day, I can still remember where everyone's from and their uh-huh. backstory. And, you know, you just kind of always remember them in a very intimate way. Um, mm-hmm. And it's fun to see where their careers are going. Yeah. And then after, was there the the divisiveness of going to L.A. and and uh, or New York for City? Me, or was it all New York for, for everybody from Carnegie Mellon? Yeah, a lot of it was New York. Like, I personally never, weirdly enough, never associated acting with film or television. Huh. As much as I loved movies and stuff as a kid, mm. acting itself was just something I did on stage. Yeah. So I didn't even think that I would do film or television. I didn't hmm. even think they were really connected. I naturally thought, well, I, that's something else. So I'm doing this and I'm going to go. So I had no like no plans at all to go to LA. I didn't mm-hmm. even consider it. But then I got to New York and I was there for about three and a half, four years. And I was like, okay, this is like... It, it, the problem with going to these kind of schools, especially outside of a city like New York or in mm-hmm. LA, like we're in Pittsburgh, is that... Well, the upside is you're not you're not um, distracted by the profession. You're yeah. not distracted by the possible the possibility of work. Yeah. So you're just learning and you're just experiencing those moments that you're creating and mm-hmm. those productions you're creating. The problem with that is that when you get out into the quote real world and you go to a New York City or wherever, you're like, oh, like I have to make a living at this now. Yeah. And oh, I look this way or that way and I may or may not be hireable. And mm-hmm. your talent is suddenly just, it's something just for you to keep inside you and like have mm-hmm. and then hopefully be able to share it down the line. But yeah. you may not be able to do that if you don't have a certain look or a certain connection or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
And so there was a major wake up call because I've always looked a bit older for my age. And so it was hard for me at 21 to kind of hit the streets of New York, kind of like, oh my God, I gotta mm-hmm. like, I gotta like do this as a, like a career now. Yeah. And so it was a little overwhelming, but it's exciting. I miss, I miss it. And then, yeah. And I, I was able to do a lot of theater there and it was, it was fun. It was a fun mm-hmm. time in my life. I mean, New York is crazy. I was so young. It was perfect. Cause I didn't uh-huh. know any better. I yeah. had no idea how expensive early was in a way. Cause I just was doing it. And mm-hmm. then only when I left, I was like, Oh my God, how did I, how did I even Insane. deal yeah. with that place? It's like, it's just full on. It All is a full on machine that you're just a little piece of. And, but there was never a day where I wasn't walking around the city going, Oh my God, I'm living in New York city. Like, yeah. It was like, I got to get to rehearsal. Yeah. 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 Did you live there? Did you know? You know, I had a, I had a decision of, to go either to New York or here. Uh-huh. And I stuck with here because I, I, had, I, I didn't get into Juilliard. It got close. Uh-huh. It was, uh, it was like down to me and, and two of the people. Wow. And, went, and so it was, it was a hair's breadth. And yeah. it was, it was a bit of a bummer. And I tried the next year, same exact position, the same thing. Auditioned a thousand people. They took 20. Wow. I was 22, 23. Oh my God. So I, ca- I, I avoided uh, going to New York, I think that I'm from such a small town, from mm-hmm. a tiny, tiny town. There's pictures right here of like this is where right. I grew up, and <laughs> so to go from there to you know, yeah. I'm walking here, you know, I would just implode. It's like some guy said he wanted to hold my wallet and he never came back. <laughs> that would be me. It's so, like midnight cowboy. Oh hey, damn! Like, oh, damn! Son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I avoided that and and but my collegiate career was you know I I halfway through before I, I ended up leaving and going to another specific school out here right. for Meisner. Right. But um, I, I often wonder what it would have been like to uh, do the conservatory thing. I, I almost went to CalArts and mm-hmm. I, I actually did a, a summer there. Mm-hmm. In California, they have this program called uh, um, CESA, California State Summer School for mm-hmm. the Arts, where you basically go and you can get three units of credit during the summers. Just conservatory lifestyle, like all day, every day, movement, dance, the whole kit and caboodle, cool. you know, doing uh, Alexander Technique and, and right. the whole bit. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I I avoided it. So I um, yeah. I think New York would make me implode. I'm actually going there next week. So I oh, cool. don't know what, yeah, it, every time I go there, I go like, wow, I'm going to go home. Yeah, <laughs> it is like going back now. I was, I go back when I can and sometimes for work and it's like. It's amazing, but I can't believe I actually live there. Like yeah. LA is much easier on the system yeah. in a way. It's easier to be kind of broke here, and it's it's the sun is shining, and it's also mm-hmm. quite deceptive because in New York you know where everything is. Like yeah. that's where that theater is, and uh-huh. that's where that agency is, and everything's just very clear. Uh-huh. It's on this grid, and you just kind of know where mm-hmm. to go, and you you yeah. bang on enough of those doors, and maybe they'll pay attention to you. Mm-hmm. LA, it's like this suburban sprawl and it's nice and sunny and yet it's this thriving film thing. I'm like, where is this all happening? Like, it's not as apparent. Yeah, and when you ask people, they go, get to know people. Right. But I know you. Right, right, right. right. It's all like, yeah, who do you know? And, and, you know, the nepotism and stuff. I mean, that's everywhere, but it's a little deceiving and it took me a while to kind of get my head around LA, Uh the landscape and just the mentality of it. Mm -hmm. But um, I do find that it's sort of easier yeah somehow easier on your system a bit Mm -hmm. um when how many years did you spend in new york i was there for about three and a half four years Uh and then um some friends of mine uh were living in prague um teaching english in Mm. the czech republic and they called me and they said hey do you want to like come out for a summer and do do a play as production of hamlet and so i i said sure and i went out there 
for the summer and did this show. It was a lot of fun. And then I which part did you play? I played uh, Rosencrantz. All right. And I played the Gravedigger. Um, it was fun. It was just yeah. a blast. A couple of fun roles. Not too much pressure. Mm-hmm. This beautiful globe replica. Yeah. And it was just a very cool experience. I'd never left the country. I was 25 mm-hmm. at the time. And to go to this ancient gothic scary yeah, it was a t- total trip. I mean, like, yeah, just cobblestone streets and mm-hmm. spires and mm-hmm. beautiful women and vampires, cheap everywhere. beer. <laughs> and I'm like, this is just fucking perfect. Come on. So then I uh, then I wound up getting a gig in Ireland, oddly enough, from that job. And I toured Ireland for six months doing um, like theater and education, like this kind of a funny show about <laughs> like the do's and don'ts of life. And like, uh-huh. meanwhile, we were all like, you know, drinking and. <laughs> popping ease on the weekends and like, we were like showing up hungover like hey kids like don't do drugs and drink and we're all out of our heads but uh it gave me as like now at this point i was like six months or seven like almost nine months away from the states i'm like mm-hmm. this is way more interesting and yeah i just when i went back to new york i was like i can't i'm i've seen too much i've seen uh-huh. outside the box and uh-huh. i a i knew i was done with new york and then i was like b maybe i'll go home for a month or two, save a bit of money and head out to LA. And because yeah. I, when I, I just realized that I wanted to change from New York. I knew that mm. much. And then a friend called me to do another show in Prague and he flew me out there and I went back and then I just stayed. I said, you know what? This something's telling me to stay here. And then mm. I got hooked up with local casting directors and agents and stuff. And, um, I wound up, staying for like five years mm-hmm. which is wow. totally weird yeah super random and, and i made a living as an actor full full stop i mean like i didn't have a day job there i was able to get enough work regularly to live which was pretty remarkable mm-hmm. um because i didn't even know that a industry existed there yeah um but it did i mean a lot of commercials and uh, british and american films mm-hmm. and once they know that and i wasn't in screen actors guild at the time so they saw me as like, oh, okay, this guy knows that he's doing a bit and he's cheap labor type of thing. Mm-hmm. But cheap labor to me was still five or $600 a day. Yeah. And so I was able, and in where in Prague, Prague prices, my yeah. rent was like 180 bucks a month. So, I mean, I was able to like thrive yeah. in a way and met a lot of amazing people and amazingly talented people that I never thought would even be there, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it's not exactly in your your handbook of like, yeah, you know, go to Prague to be yeah. an actor. You know, go to Eastern Europe. Yeah, yeah, it was not really something anyone even mentioned. So, I kind of stumbled into that and had a lot of support from friends there, and mm-hmm. did a lot of great theater there as well, and a lot of nonverbal stuff and devised stuff, and sort of a atypical mm-hmm. style, certainly compared to America, the American way of doing. Did things. you feel isolated at all? I did, but I, I mean, and, and honestly, I, I, I spent most of my time in this sort of expat community, which, mm-hmm. you know, I suppose if I was more brave i would have ventured out a little more and learned the language better yeah. i mean i had like sort of survival language skills yeah bathroom yeah fire. like where yeah. is this and mm-hmm. like taxi draft ta- taxi cab mm-hmm. check <laughs> like go left go right go here go there or in the supermarket i'm great i'm like fluent in the supermarket oh, like, yeah, okay yeah. i need bread i need milk i need yeah. this i'm, I'm I good mean, in the kitchen for that yeah. like for spanish yeah. right no. i couldn't like deconstruct a cart you know in check <laughs> you know i couldn't like there was no like mm-hmm. deep conversation going yeah. on in that you're not going to be doing uncle vanya in check yeah. no but i mean i learned enough to get by and super fascinating beautiful city i miss it a lot and actually have been back twice since for work mm-hmm. which has been a lot of fun to go back and see old friends and and um it's just a it was really kind of an important part of my life but when i was like 32 or so i was like you know what if i'm not 
you know, I had some cool supporting roles there and some big movies. Um, and I had smaller parts, featured parts in big movies and I had a couple of lead roles in smaller per- films. But I started doing film work and I kind of learned how to do it there. And I figured if I'm going to do this, I should probably go to L.A. It's like Mecca. Like I should make yeah. the jump. But it was hard because I was like working and I had a girlfriend at the time. And I, you know, that I, w- I was in love with her and I was in a great I was in a band and I was doing theater and a lot of great things were happening. But I, I had to make a difficult decision. Like, you mm-hmm. know what? I should go out there and see. And it was a major wake up call because I was like, okay, like mm-hmm. you're really starting over. Yeah. Because although I had worked quite a lot and had a, uh, an impressive resume, to me at least, mm-hmm. um, because I wasn't cast out of Los Angeles, I hadn't developed the relationships with the casting directors here. Yeah. So although I had the material to prove <laughs> that I worked yeah. and it's on paper, it's on my resume, I didn't have the relationships with the colleagues here. Yeah. So it was really odd because I could. People were like, well, who are you? And do we don't really know you. Um, I wasn't vetted through the casting scene here. And so it was really kind of starting over. And um, it's taken me several years to kind of get my legs with that. And then getting a job at the Hotel Cafe, for instance, yeah. and having a day job again was like, oh, my God, I hadn't had a day job in like seven years. Wow. And suddenly I've, I'm doing this and that. And I was like cleaning koi ponds and... Uh-huh. You know, just doing the weirdest jobs, and I came out here. I mean, I had to make money. Mm-hmm. You know, I had saved some money from there, but that went pretty quickly. And so, typically, it does no matter how much it is for somebody. Just like you, know, yeah. you first get there, no matter how much that nest egg is. Uh-huh. Many times, it's hard to to bridge that gap, if not impossible, to be able to just go right into other things. I I haven't met anybody that's been able to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard. I mean, and and it's it's humbling. I mean, to say the least. And yeah. I have a lot of empathy for people. Um, musicians that I have met at the hotel cafe for instance, because I understand at least the process of, of the performing arts. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a musician, but I used to sing in a band, but I mean, I'm not a songwriter. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not my thing, but I, I have a tremendous amount of empathy for the performers and what they go through and admire what you guys do because it's your, it's it's your ass on the line and no one's begging for it. And you have to insist Mm-hmm. upon your work being heard and seen and mm-hmm. the same goes is true for actors it's just i almost envy that there is no like place where actors convene and and sort of like support each other i mean certainly theater companies do mm-hmm. and but that's a very specific group of people and mm-hmm. that's a specific commitment and we don't hang out at movie theaters and like yeah. you know what i mean it's like whereas the hotel cafe has become mm-hmm. this spot where even if you're not performing there you can meet like-minded musicians and talk shop and see each other's work and it's sort of a musicians musicians hang Mm -hmm. um i think that because there isn't anything specifically like that i that i found for actors Mm -hmm. i find that um uh it's important to somehow find that i mean in your friend with your friends and i could really support each other and work those networks and Mm -hmm. because a you want to find people to work with but also you you want to keep inspired yeah because it is oversaturated mm-hmm. and your talent is sort of a, a given. It's not something that's going to stand out. And yeah. you can't sell diversity. 
No. You have to be pigeonholed and then you can show off mm-hmm. once someone knows who you are. Yeah. Um, you have to be contextualized yeah. to people. What's almost. your type? Are you this or that? And then, okay, now maybe I'm going to stretch, you know, whereas I've always just been cast in v- tons of different types of characters, different types of roles to play. Um, I love that. It's more of a repertory theater kind of thing where you're you're just mm-hmm. handed work. And I was yeah. in a situation where I could was sort of given a lot of work. And I'm still in that situation actually where most of the work I get is through friends I know or people I've met. Mm-hmm. And so when that nepotism finally starts working for you. Right. And it's also like, but it's based on your relationships you've built with them. Yeah. And there's a trust there, mm-hmm. um, which fair play. I mean, if people have mm-hmm. those connections and use it, yeah. you know, um, there is a frustrating element because a lot of people just have, were born into it or whatnot. And you yeah. just have to kind of contend with that. But, mm-hmm. um, but I spent 99% of my time auditioning for things uh, that I might not get. Yeah. So it's it can be as easy or it's as easy as, hey, do you want to do this role? Yeah. Or just constant rejection from other people. It's like a weird thing because you just want to do your thing. You yeah. know, that's all you want to do is like get on set, do your work, mm-hmm. entertain people, connect to the material, um, deliver the writer's intentions in a, mm-hmm. an honest way. Yeah. And flex your creative muscles a bit i mean that's kind of it i mean it's yet there's all this sort of stuff built around it and all the kind of fame chasers and stuff like that which i find to be sort of an odd way to look at it i mean yeah it's a consequence of the job not the job itself right but we honor that in the society we honor people like that too and oddly Mm -hmm. enough we see people who are like yeah just get your face out there and at all costs do whatever you got to do to get Mm -hmm. famous and get on tv i'm like well that's just something else altogether. Yeah. And, um, but that's the, eh, whatever. That's yeah, the no. way, that's the way it is. I mean, it's I, true. I, when I coach actors and I talk to friends, it's like just, there's tons of anxiety out there about work and security, but you have your work right in front of you, mm-hmm. which is that script. Yeah. That's your work. Yeah. Like it's right there. Like here's the scene, connect with your partner, understand the material, make interesting choices there you go. Uh-huh. I mean, like that's always your work, mm-hmm. whether it's an audition or you're on set. Because I've worked with some big movie stars occasionally, and it's it gets gets intimidating. And I'm like, or I I feel like out of uh, I'm out of place, or I get this or that, or you know, sometimes you need to walk on the studio a lot and you have a gig, and this is this machine that's just like yeah, racing, and, and you get a little up. intimidated yeah. by it if you don't do it every day. And I always tell myself, I'm. Here's my, my work is right here. Yeah. Like, that's my focus. Like mm-hmm. not how to impress or make some big shot laugh and think I'm cool or whatever. It's yeah. like, no, just I'm playing a paramedic and I'm doing <laughs> this. And this is, this is what I'm doing uh-huh. in this scene. Just do that well. And don't worry about all the other bullshit. You yeah. know? And cause it gets, you get caught up in sort of how to be and, there's all this sort of... Um, Maybe if I get buddy-buddy with him, then I can get brought into other things. Yeah, and, uh, there's like this sort of seething um, sort of uh, aggressiveness that can come with like this kind of work because it, you're essentially freelance and you're, uh-huh. you're, you're always looking to get that next job and there's a fine line between um, political maneuvering and just genuine, you know, yeah. connection yeah. with somebody. It's like, and I... I try to just stick with the genuine. It's like, mm. if I connect with someone in a cool way, mm. they'll like me. They may trust me. If they yeah. like my work, they'll hire me. If not, because yeah. if you're, it's like an act, it's like an, it's like in a scene. If you're not, if you really aren't sincere about your intentions, it's mm-hmm. going to be revealed. It yeah. will be, mm. y- it'll just be obvious. Mm-hmm. It's like, 
I try to apply that to almost everything. It's difficult because we all get caught up in that. Oh yeah, political thing. Well, where it's like people come along with like really strong opinions and have these wide swath of like if you if you made the crucial mistake of signing up to any one of these casting whatever or not they they'll send these emails that just are pinpricks of doubt that come right through your email program and going like 10 things you're doing wrong in the right. audition room you're right, like right. how you're ruining your career and you're like right. what? and then you have that moment of going like they don't know what they're ta- well maybe they're right i don't know well sure i mean there's the, there's a neuroses there that i yeah. know few actors are uh are, you know uh don't suffer from it's it's you know some are headier than others i know that i'm a heady kind of person and i have mm. to you come from a, you come from that. a great lineage of heady people. Like there you go. Yeah. Well, you know, in, in a way, yeah, it's not light. You know, mm-hmm. when 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 our family gets together, it's like it's heavy shit. And <laughs> Have you seen Nova? Like, Let's talk about right. You know. Well, it's not like we're brainiacs or anything, but we tend to just we're always discriminating and breaking things down. It's sort of my nature. I'm just, and so I try to fight against that actually hmm. because you you not in life, but but just as an actor because you, being heady is not a good thing, and yeah. being an overly intellectual quote unquote yeah. about something is not good either you can overanalyze you can yeah exactly get those emails to say this is what you're doing wrong and you yeah. could believe it Meisner I, had a phrase <clears throat> thinking is cancer right yeah. <laughs> well that's fucking one way of putting it yeah. I and mean, that's you know pretty succinct and um, and he's the master of just like you know uh, of, of allowing your instincts to just mm-hmm. reveal themselves in the moment exactly taking it from where you are and it's a great technique, actually. I didn't really learn that. and We didn't really deal with that much in mm-hmm. college. But Well, it's difficult to go from there into uh, the machine of, of, say, like a television show. A television show is like everyone's there is old buddies, and they're high-fiving each other and asking about right. their weekend, and you're the guy that goes like, hey, guys, what's going on? Mm-hmm. They all kind of look at you like, who's this guy? And you're like, hold on. I'm going to Meisner this. I'm just going to think my way yeah. through it. And you kind of go like, that's great. Can we go to lunch? Right, we're in right. grace period. You know, it's not a it's not a real safe place in a lot of ways. You have mm-hmm. to kind of create this inner sanctuary within yourself. Of just Absolutely, like, it's a kind of a different thing because, truthfully, it's it's a mechanical endeavor. You're just hit your mark, shut up, go home. It's uh-huh. not. No one cares who you are. They're not going to remember your name. Mm-hmm. Just make your thousand bucks and move on, and mm-hmm. just get that experience. Um, most actors I know would agree that you the more interesting material you have to work on the more relaxed you are because your work is so clearly mm-hmm. um laid out for you yeah. there's a very intricate map mm-hmm. of a journey whereas the other bits are just blips on a screen i mm-hmm. mean that's another skill set you know i know very good actors who cannot book you know let's say they're theater actors and they don't do a lot of tv anyway they'll they can't even book these co-star parts because they can't not try to overthink it in a way mm-hmm. like it's like there's a certain skill set of just letting it go letting it go letting it go yeah um that i find to be interesting whereas if you had a monologue to learn well, okay where you're i'm way less nervous about doing that than like having a hey there yeah running around in some weird sterile casting office with a sort of a a, a board uh-huh. casting associate who still has a blackberry who right. uh, even in 2014 still is using a blackberry and clicking clacking away well, they like haven't a... left the room i mean yeah. those guys work too hard yeah. but um you know it's 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 very like uh it's you know if it was simple people would we wouldn't be having this conversation i think no. it's 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 one of those things that you just try to relax and let go and well, it's different be, for everybody. Be, be be easy with yourself and and not try to to force anything. Mm-hmm. And and 
it's hard though when you're not getting work you're just you're gonna start thinking well you're gonna overthink your process mm-hmm. and maybe you are doing some things wrong i mean you know you don't want to be jaded you don't want to be you know you meet a lot of actors like that or just completely i mean they're just so they're like they're 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 so sort of aggressive towards those who work mm-hmm. and and I get it in a lot of ways. You know, I, I get that way sometimes myself. I'm like, oh, fuck, man. I, another gig I didn't get. And this dipshit who has mm-hmm. no talent got this. And yeah. It's just a not a, it's a poisonous. Yeah, sour grapes smell terrible, especially you, when you walk in the room. And Totally. Yeah. And you don't want to be that guy. No. I mean, and again, I see it with musicians as well where some like mediocre, good looking, charming person is on stage doing some nice, happy songs, nothing too special. And there's 200 people there. Mm-hmm. And then some like badass blues dude is up there blazing away in his guitar and like there's three people there and yeah. he's just like, Bleh. I mean, again, but he doesn't care about marketing and he doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. he's just like, oh, I'm just going to do my thing. And he's a badass, mm-hmm. but I'm like, you gotta, you gotta combine the two. Yeah. But it doesn't, I guess my point is it's not, um, there's a level of unfairness that is just there. And it's mm-hmm. like tough shit, man. Like yeah. you're in this city, the bar is this high mm-hmm. and, you know, I think what's most frustrating for actors is access. Um, if you have access to things and you're able to book, then you're mm. just working. Yeah. I have friends who who have never really struggled in a way. I mm-hmm. mean, they, beyond the daily struggle of life. I mean, yeah. they haven't had to deal with that ego blow. They're just, they're really talented people. Mm-hmm. They kind of got hired right out of the gates and never looked back, and they just mm-hmm. are living their life and working. And momentum is an amazing thing. And I, I think that's just remarkable because I think that um, who wouldn't want that? Yeah. You know, but I know what it's like to work on high profile things for successive years and then not having any work for a year or two. Uh, you know, and then back. You know, it's it's so it, it is incredibly humbling, and I think most people in the arts get that. And occasionally you meet people who are a bit condescending who don't really understand mm-hmm. that, like, they assume that they are working because of their talent alone, yeah. which is simply just not true. No. I mean, that's... If it were a meritocracy, then we, our television would look a lot different. Yeah, you know? sure, sure. Yeah, but then also it would be exhausting to watch television because everybody would be so good right. that you would just be like, I'm <laughs> too, like too where's my reality show? I want to yeah, see like desperate housewives. Too much of an emotional journey. I, <laughs> I just want to watch some cotton candy and not right. like eat this you know, steak. And you don't have to over, you know, there's a place for that. Not mm-hmm. everything has to be Hamlet. Not mm-hmm. everything has to be super dramatic, and, but it's, there's a place for all kinds of entertainment mm-hmm. actually. Um, right now it's like TV is like a high art. It's I mean, explosion. things are happening on television that are it's pretty remarkable i've i have avoided watching tv for many many years i didn't even own a tv for many years mm-hmm. and i'm catching up on some stuff and it's well, like being an actor wow. not owning a tv it's kind of like you know being a chef and not having a kitchen right exactly yeah. well you know there's a part of me that's like yeah, i don't need that and i don't want to get involved in that and it's kind of well you can be distracted too much by anything but you're i agree with you 100 yeah. percent. you want to watch that stuff mm-hmm. and you want to see what's going on and right now there's some great stuff and you're like oh my god this is a you know it's like a master class watching yeah. some of these people work and you do learn a lot if you're paying attention of how they're handling these scenes and how how uh, seeing how connected they are to that material and mm-hmm. kind of wondering what their methodology might be and and they've allowed themselves to just really let go and mm-hmm. and just have the i mean it's a, it's a gift to have that it's a luxury to have that um opportunity to work yeah. that way and 
to do so well at it on camera. I uh-huh. mean, you know, that's what's never ceases to amaze me. Mm-hmm. I mean, these people are working out of context, out of sequence, mm-hmm. with 20 crew members around. Able to make an arc that just is so they're seamless. they're keeping their eye on that. They're, they're connecting those dots. And mm-hmm. that's something that most people do not appreciate. No. About camera acting, film acting, or TV acting, whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, that is like, whoa. And you do have to figure That out. is like really impressive to me still. I mean, I and I'm aware of that when I myself are on set. And I'm like, all right, I need to kind of keep this through line of truth going, even if it's not in any particular order or whatever. Keeping it really simple. Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of mental process than mm-hmm. stage work. I mean, it's 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 a whole another level of like letting go and because the camera doesn't lie, it, it's a truth seeker. It will find you out mm-hmm. instantly, and it just will. And so you, it's something to reckon with yeah. at all times. And again, you don't want to overanalyze it, but it's something to be very mindful of. It's like a dance, you know. And um, I'm always really humbled by by that um no matter what i'm working on you know do you find that uh it's a a bit more like a rubik's cube like there's almost like playing chess compared to like the ramping up of doing a play plays exhausting i mean absolutely i i I never was able to really go out and hang too much after a performance because i would just be beat to hell right but but it's like a martial art yeah to me it's like and i don't get to do it very often because the day i start doing a lot of theater in la is when i like have some money in my bank because yeah. like it just doesn't really pay except mm-hmm. for the big equity theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't really get an opportunity to make money doing it out here. Unfortunately. Um, to me, it's a, not to sound poncy, but like a, it is a sacred ground in many levels. That stage is like this, it you know, that you have to bring to life this whole three dimensional reality and this very bare bones environment. And, um, the process is, it's just a linear build. It's your building. It's a mm-hmm. building, building, uh, this little machine and everything has to be connected to make it fly the same way in a film. I mean, everything is not without the other. You have, everything's related, mm-hmm. but you go through this intensive training basically when you do a show, a play and then, um, and then it's like skydiving. You're off to the races. Like the curtain opens and it's all you. It's an actor's medium. Mm-hmm. And film is not. Yeah. It's your own private thing. It's your relationship between you and that DP. And, you know, one eye on that character and the other eye, sort of, so to speak, like on that audience. And you're aware. But it's not, um, it's it's a just a totally different process. Yeah. And I still feel, although I do far more film work than theater work now, I still kind of feel more comfortable on stage in a way because it's, and you can really, you, you have that time to build a character and to really make a multi, multi, multi-layered um, character come to life. Whereas in film, it's like, you don't have any time. Mm-hmm. That's what, again, what I'm impressed by good film actors because their yeah. time is limited. I and mean, if you're a lead role and you know far enough in advance and you know what's up, I mean, yeah. you've got your coaches and your people and you can really build something nice, but Generally, you don't have that much time. So that's why these casting directors are looking for that personality or that thing that's already kind of there. So we can just throw some limes at him and he's going to... Just say them with the face that he's got. Yeah, you get a big bruiser who's served some time in the pen with like tattoos everywhere and you throw him in Sons of Anarchy playing that guy. He's probably going to be okay. Yeah. The problem with me when I first came out to LA, I was... I had, you know, 
the super long hair when I first started trying to work and, and working a little bit. I had super long hair and uh, kind of a baby face. So everybody mm-hmm. kind of thought that I was... Uh, I, I was always getting cast as the kid that would sell your daughter drugs or right. like ride <laughs> off in an IROC and stuff like that. I'm from this little ca- right. town in Northern California, and I was just like, "Oh, jeepers, Mister!" And yeah. So I get in there and like try to be tough. No clue how to do hey, it. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Hey, like putting on hey this... you don't understand well, me, Dad. You gotta look like you're. Th- you know, I had a baby face with no hair. I mean, I started mm-hmm. losing my hair at like 19 or 20, so that was awkward mm-hmm. because I'm going out for like detectives or I don't know anything. I'm like 23, and I'm still <laughs> now. I'm like 39. I'm like just now, kind of finally looking my age. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, all right, there's some life behind it. Yeah, yeah you yeah. gotta. And I know girls who look, you know, they look like the sweet little girl next door, and they're just they're nasty, funky chicks. Who like are, <laughs> well, you know, they're not. They're yeah. like badasses, you know, yeah. but they have a hard time playing that sweet little innocent, or vice versa. Uh-huh. You might look a certain way, but you have to find a way to fit your look. And that totally is a film related. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In theater, it's like you throw a lab coat on you and some glasses and you're, you're a scientist and yeah. no one's going to really give a shit mm-hmm. what your race is, what your weight is. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, unless it's specific to the text, it's like much and, more of a meritocracy. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's, you just, you're already suspending your disbelief already. You're in this room. Yeah. And the same way you are in a movie theater, but it's different on stage. It's like, you're watching it happen before you and you just sort of, want to believe what's going on and yeah. you kind of you're watching this performances in a different way whereas you have to sell an idea very quickly on on camera especially for commercials like you have 30 seconds to tell the story so Boom. if you got to look like you're the handsome guy you're the weak chinned big nosed mm-hmm. this guy or you're the frizzy haired wacky geeky guy or you're the whatever your type is mm-hmm. you're the bruiser you're the ingenue you know you got to like you got to know how to play what you look like. Yeah. And figure out what the hell that even means. Mm-hmm. And there is some stupid stereotyping going on there, which is like, like if I have a shaved head, it's like I have to look, I'm immediately a bouncer or this guy or that guy. And it's like, well, that's not me at all. Mm-hmm. Just my hair is going. So I, that, but that's what people associate that with. Yeah. If you're, you know, it's always nice to see those types being shattered. Yeah. You know, when you see the leading man, maybe a bit overweight and balding or, the leading woman who's mm-hmm. not necessarily, uh, you know, Jennifer Lawrence or mm-hmm. something. It's like, y- it's great when you get to see that on camera because you really often don't. It's no. like, we want it all to be very stereotypical. Oh, yeah. Because we're tired and we just want something that was easy to right. watch. Or at least that's what we're told mm-hmm. and that's what we're fed. I mean, the truth is when you watch something and it's good, you just buy it. Yeah. And that's there's the truth will out in a lot of credit. ways. Credit. So. You got to give some credit to that audience, you uh-huh. know. Um, so yeah, it's a fun. It's a it's a crazy. Uh, it's a, certainly a crazy process, man. And mm-hmm. it's, um, it's not a linear thing. I mean, like, my first job in L.A., I had a scene with Forrest Whitaker for the wow. scene called Fragments, and uh-huh. I was psyched, man. I'd only been here a, a year or so, a year, um, less than that. And but then that night, I had to go work the door at the hotel cafe yeah as a doorman weird right and i'm like what the hell man mm-hmm. like i just was hanging out with forrest whitaker today you know yeah. or but that was and even flash forward six and a half seven years you know i was and went back to prague last year to do a movie and i'm with clive owen and there's morgan freeman and mm-hmm. there's some great actors from new york and iran and new and and uh new zealand all over the world like a really cool ensemble group of guys 
and then I flew back and was back at the at the job again. It's the strangest thing, isn't it's it? It's just not a. It's not it hasn't been linear linear enough for me. <laughs> it hasn't been You know, it's it, it's work, but it's not necessarily leading to the uh, next thing. Yeah, and um, because the roles maybe aren't break out enough. Uh-huh. Frankly, they're more a lot of times utility type of parts where your job is to blend in and not mm-hmm. stand out too much and just be a good soldier and do yeah. it. Um, and I asked the guys, actually, some of the actors I worked with, because they were all, they all work regularly yeah. in this film I did called The Last Night. Um, and a lot of them were like, they said, a couple of guys said the same thing. Like, you need a breakout role in a breakout film. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, how does that happen? But it's kind of true. It's like, they just, they were fortunate enough to uh-huh. be given that opportunity and they knocked it out of the park, and it was a good film, and it was well rece- seen and well received. I mean, yeah. all these things have to kind of line up. Mm-hmm. I've done lead roles in films that have never been released anywhere. Yeah, not even on DVD. Nothing. It's mm-hmm. like so. A lot of things have to align for you to kind of break out, so to speak. Mm-hmm. That's if you do not come from an entertainment background, or of you course. know, and, and th- in those so things, and that's so. just that's the thing aligning before you were even born, so to speak. Right, you know? you just, you're just, you know, maybe there's the more pressure born. on people like that in a way because there's a lot of expectation, but yeah. still, I mean, it's... And a couple of guys I talked to, they had these sort of breakout roles mm-hmm. and they just, and there were splashes at these film festivals and then suddenly the calls come in mm-hmm. and the offers come in. Yeah. And of course, it's always your job to show up and do well. And no matter do, what. do well at it, no matter what. But if you're good and you're committed, that will happen anyway. Yeah. It's like, but you need that thing. Oh, you're the guy from that thing. The ephemeral thing that people can latch onto and say like, oh, I can contextualize you right. because I I know the way that you sound when you say these words and that you can do it. Right. It's really, really weird. I mean, it, whereas with a, as a musician, as you know, it's mm-hmm. like, here's my kick-ass CD. Now, whether mm-hmm. or not you like it or not or whatever, but it's good and yeah. here it is. Mm-hmm. And I can do that with my friends and an engineer. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in my room writing these songs. Yes. I'm doing this. Actors are relying on... Um, a great script, a great director, the opportunity to read for it, mm. do it, the trust, you know, it's a great uh, DP, a great editor. You. Yeah. All that. Oh stuff. yeah. I mean the edit every, there's not a single filmmaker out there that doesn't play a, an essential part into the production of that mm-hmm. film. I mean that, it, there, it doesn't exist. And so it's always funny that the actors get this sort of credit for these oh, it's performances so. where you know that the editor and that, you know, the cinematographer and the director is really getting you there. Yeah, did you see that? They the... need you to be that good because they need to sell this thing too. Uh-huh. So you're just a little piece of the whole damn thing, you know. Like, um, but that's it's that sort of breakout. Mm-hmm. I think that you you kind of you'd certainly need actually to mm-hmm. have to 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 be able to have a a sustainable professional career. Yeah, uh, I know a lot of actors who are writer directors themselves, and that seems to be. Mm-hmm. huge i mean bigger than ever now original content and just yeah. getting your own shit done mm-hmm. and then again hoping that there's money to do it and money to market it and etc 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 but there's um you have to get your power you have to find a way to have that power yeah. like because just sitting around waiting for the phone to ring it ain't, ain't gonna, gonna happen. happen and it's like and that's again it, it's not new information but it's something that's dawning me more and dawning on me more and more because I, I wasn't trained as a writer mm-hmm. or a director. I've never, I've never, I don't know that world. I trust people who do that. I respect people who do that well. Mm-hmm. And so, 
people say, well, just write and make your own amazing thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, it's not to say I couldn't do it. And I mm-hmm. have written a bit. It's like, but it's okay. Well, shit. It's like, just become a, a master of that. It's yeah. like, no, wait, let me. Um, so having said all this stuff, it's like, I think that what you can do is associate with creative people, get them to trust you, get them to look at your work, hope that they can take a chance on you and to make something mm-hmm. uh, good. And yeah. Make it happen. I mean, like, make it happen because, yeah, waiting for things to ha- fall in your lap is just mm-hmm. impossible. It yeah. just doesn't happen. Well, that being said, do you do anything to keep yourself sharp? Um, I do. I don't really take classes anymore. Um, I coach a lot of friends uh-huh. for their auditions for free just, just to do it. And that is great for me because I'm not involved in it. It's not my world. Mm-hmm. I have no pressure. I can see it crystal clearly, like how the arc of the scene the sort of moments and beats of the scene, how it plays out. And I can just, th- it can be played a million ways, but I can, I can direct that. That's yeah. something that's quite easy for me. Um, and it's beneficial for me to see an actor get it and to, and it's a nice relationship the, the, between coach and actor. Um, I do a thing occasionally on Tuesday nights, this thing called the IMI workshop. Um, and it's great. We do staged cold readings Mm-hmm. of new screenplays. And what will happen is two writers will do like 20 pages each and actors will come in at seven. We, we're we literally reading the script and staging it at the same time. Wow. Then we just put it up, the script in hand. And it's it's not really about the actors. It's really about the writers. But for me, it's just a nice to get handed whatever role, yeah. make some connections, try to tell this story well. And it it's not... I'm, I know I could probably benefit from a more intensive class, and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. looking into maybe jumping into that again. But it does give me a little connection to it. Um, and actually watching good TV, I mean, that can be a trap because you can sit on your couch all day. Yeah, it's true. You know, watching stuff, you know, trying to see theater is good. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all part of it. Um, Do you see that True Detective? Yeah, it's awesome. Golly, so good. It's great. I mean, like, this the the direction the writing and the acting the whole production itself is great and mm-hmm. it's a pretty simple story yeah monster in the woods yeah you know cold case kind of mm-hmm. it's not on paper it's not super complicated but it it takes a long way the long way around mm-hmm. to get to this the story and it and, and on that road you've got such intricate dialogue mm-hmm. masterfully played by McConaughey, McConaughey and McConaughey. Woody, you know they're just at a point in their lives and careers where they're just they're just ready for that kind of material. Yeah, the writing's man. excellent. I mean, and the style, the direction, you know, it's the same director, I think, the whole, all, yeah. s- all episodes. Yeah, the director, and the writer uh, was actually a, a bartender for many, many years in Texas. No shit. Or in Louisiana or Texas. Wow, yeah. great yeah. stuff. And it was just a great production. It's a great mm-hmm. example of just a really stylized yeah. production. And it, you can watch those guys and be like, this is, these are great choices. This yeah. is bold. This is great. I mean, you watch that stuff and you're like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. like, so you can learn a lot from that. But I think you got to get off your ass, get it into your body and do it. If you're working all the time, cool. But if you're not, then you should really be, I know that it's something I need to probably do again. Mm-hmm. Like just jump into a good uh, intensive class to kind of yeah. make sure everything's working. Yeah. Um. Because, I mean, I consider auditions sort of training in a way too. But um. If you're heady or you're low or you're not really in a good space, you're going to suck at those auditions. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you got to be in a really healthy place. And levity is key, like especially for commercials, keeping it real light and easy and breezy, mm-hmm. you know. 
um, which is sometimes hard for me. I don't know why. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I don't, it's not like I'm trying to be Mr. Serious, but I don't have that super light, like, yeah. gee, here And then we you go. walk in with like, everybody else around you doing the same thing, and you're like, these fucking people don't get it. Yeah. They don't understand, man. They, haven't, had, they haven't lived. They don't, yeah. they don't understand. Seriously. Man. And I have, like, you know, I've had been, directors have told me, like, fuck, dude, we're not looking for Jack Nicholson here, man. <laughs> and I, I'm like, it's like, it's baby food. Like, let's just tone it. <laughs> tone it down like let's bring it way back yeah, yeah dial it back yeah I've, I've had friends have dealt with that in tv it's kind of going like hey we want to do angry not tv angry not angry angry right yeah. right not like psychotic angry yeah. yeah like we're gonna worry about so it's you know i think that um the key to the key to doing good work is having great material and so mm. wh- however you can find an access to that that's what you're gonna, yeah that's what you're gonna do it's mm-hmm. like you can't play a guitar that's not in tune kind of thing. True. Is for yeah. a, a yeah. goofy metaphor, but like, you know, it's like you, you, you ha- has to be good. There has to be something really great to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see actors who are um, fantastic, who just suffer tremendously with crappy scripts and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, man. Um, yeah that's my take on it all. I mean, it's, it's a process, you know, for sure. And, um, getting good representation and stuff like that's important to having access. Mm -hmm. Well, you got anything coming up? Um, well I did, uh, I did this film last year called the last nights. It's not out. I don't know what's happening with that. It's in post-production. And that's Clive Owen and Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman star. Um, it's great actor, Axel Henney, Michael Lombardi, Val Lauren, Cliff Curtis, uh, Giorgio Caputo, great actors, mm-hmm. all from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, period piece, was it? Kaz Korea. Yeah, it's a period piece. Um, it's sort of r- roughly based on the 47 Ronin story, which they just had a film of this year. Yeah. Um, but it's set in sort of a fictitious medieval Europe. Oh, cool. And a uh, typical morality tale kind mm-hmm. of thing. But it's it's great. I mean, we shot at castles all over the Czech Republic, oh, wow. like on horseback and fight sword fights. Yeah. We're like, it, we, we're wearing this like, black leather kind of sort of like a double Asiatic slash European style. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was, uh, very cool. Awesome. Um, and I play this, the role of fat Jim, who's like this traitorous. All right. Yeah. Like, uh, sort of, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> like weekend warrior type of guy who's not really in it, not really passionate about the cause as uh-huh. much as some might uh, want him to be. And, um, yeah. And then I did a, um, sort of, uh, a spec pilot um, called The Block where I play the warden of a all-female prison and I am training these girls. Um, I'm teaching them discipline through dance. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> I'm like this closeted like choreographer. Awesome. And it's this whole like, you know, this Thai prison. Did you ever see those? Yeah, yeah I did. Yeah. Wait, they were doing the thriller like, thing. Like, you and... will learn thriller mm-hmm. and you will be, you know, whatever. We'll like, get you in shape. Um so that's pretty funny. And again, I don't know when that will be sort of ready to be viewed. Um, and just a couple of short, I did a few short films this summer that are kicking around at some small festivals. Uh-huh. I did this short called The S- Service, this little short horror movie that's premiering this weekend in um, Cincinnati. And um, it's going to make the rounds at some of the little horror festivals. I mean, I'm always doing little bits and bobs, you know, to be mm-hmm. honest, just keeping busy. Yeah. I do like short films as sort of training as well. You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of like a way to keep in it. Yeah. Because the access, I haven't had a lot of access to the bigger, bigger projects this year. It's been kind of slow, actually. Mm-hmm. But 
Yeah, that's it, man. Just that and uh, auditions, trying to get the next gig. Well, right on, dude. I want to thank you for coming in. Thanks for the chat, man. Yeah, dude. Um, I appreciate it. You got it. Absolutely. Great eye-opening stuff. I, I love talking to James because you can hear the passion just coming right through him. And I, I hope for the absolute best for that guy. He does great work, and I'd like to see more of it. So, hey, if you're a casting director listening, um, cast him. And if you know, maybe throw me in the mix, too, because, you know, hell, we all could use some work, right? All right. Well, continue to spread the word about Shark Brain. Go to jakenewton.com to listen to music. To get t-shirts and CDs, go to sharkbrainpodcast.com to listen to every single episode that we've ever done and to write me asking me who you'd like to hear on the show and what you liked about it. Believe me, I read everything. I like it. I might not comment on it because, you know, I get weird about writing back. I don't want to send the wrong message. I still have the anxiety. It still works its way through me. But, you know, hell, I'm getting better. We're all trying to get better, right? It's like that Bleacher song, which is absolutely killer. I want to get better, right? Should have him in the show. I know people who know Jack Antonoff. I should get him in on the show. What do you guys think? Let's try to make that happen. I don't know. I digress. Anyway, I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening and for offering up your very precious time on this earth, at least an hour at a time, to my voice yakking away. Love your friends, and be well.